0: Oh my god, bro. How'd you get that in here? I I got to
1: connect, Slam, don't trip. I feel like you get me high again, bro.
0: About a month ago, Eminem and Snoop Dogg performed at the VMAs. The VMAs are the MTV Video Music Awards, and this is what it looked like. Snoop is on a stage, he's smoking a massive joint, Eminem is next to him. And then suddenly, the two of them are presumably too high for this earth, and they just shift into an alternate dimension. Is that...
1: Yo, what the... Man, this shit's the size of my hand, dog? Shit's gonna make me relax.
0: They become cartoons. And then they perform most of the set that way. The avatars they've turned into are monkeys. Or to be more specific, they're something called bored apes. If you don't know what Bored Apes are, they're these illustrations of apes that are inspired by the band Gorillas. And Bored Apes are also NFTs, non-fungible tokens. A little while ago, a Bored Ape NFT might have cost you more than a million
1: dollars. A lot of the NFT culture is just the crypto culture. So the people who are buying, the people who are pumping NFTs are the same people who've been pumping various like, you know, shit coins as they're called. <laughs>
0: That's Jemima Kelly. She's an FT columnist, and she's hosting a new season of our sister podcast, Tectonic, called A Skeptic's Guide to Crypto. If you're confused about how cartoons of Snoop Dogg and Eminem are also a digital token that people have become obsessed with, welcome to the club. It's confusing. And today, Jemima is going to help us untangle the knot. It's probably
1: worth mentioning,
0: she is not a fan.
1: NFTs are like already basically over. I mean, I mean and, I, and I don't like calling the top of, of crypto, and I won't. And I'm not going to say NF, uh, crypto is over. But NFTs, I'm not saying that they might not have a little, little, you know, a little flourish again. But like, there's no way they're coming back like they did. Because people have just got wise to it. Like mm-hmm. now that they've, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just not, not happening. <laughs> even, <laughs> even Snoop Dogg and Eminem performed at the VMAs as NFTs and no one cared. <laughs>
0: This is FT Weekend. I'm Lila Raptopoulos. Before we start, let me just say that we've been wanting to talk about NFTs on this podcast for months because they're all over the art world. In March 2021, Christie's sold an NFT of a collage by an artist named Beeple for 69 million dollars. By the end of the year, the entire entrance to America's biggest art fair, Art Basel, was basically an ode to NFTs. Outside the art world, smaller investors were buying NFTs at lower prices, like a few thousand dollars. If you haven't heard of Beeple, maybe you've heard of CryptoPunks. They're these algorithmically generated little portraits that look like pixelated punks, and those have sold for millions of dollars, but they've also spawned dozens of cheaper knockoffs for people who want to spend less. But overall, something just seemed off about the NFT market. When you look at a CryptoPunk character, it does not look like it's worth a million dollars. It looks like it might have been made by a teenager on some software from the 90s. So what I needed help with is to understand how exactly they became so valuable. Which brought me to Jemima. She's been covering the crypto market since its infancy for seven years. Jemima, hi. Thank you so much for joining.
1: Hello, Lila. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the show. Thank you.
0: So we're a culture podcast, uh, and we've been trying to figure out how to cover NFTs uh, for a long time now.
1: Just don't. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. You have to grapple with it. You have to, yeah. And
0: we realize that the big question that we have about it is like, are they actually changing how we think about art? But first, maybe I'm going to ask you a hard thing to do, but in like the sort of most tightest version you can, how would you define an NFT for people mm-hmm. who don't know?
1: Okay, well, I'm going to start by explaining what it stands for, because I actually think that most people don't really know what it, they, they know what it stands for, they, they have no idea what those words mean. So yeah. it stands for non-fungible token. Right. The reason we have this word that most people don't even know the meaning of, fungible, is so fungible means that you can trade something like for like. So a pound is... Fungible because you can uh, one pound is the same as another pound, and cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin are supposed to be fungible like that. NFTs are supposed to be different. So the the reason they're called NFT is to differentiate them from other cryptocurrencies because like cryptocurrencies, they run on blockchains. Mm -hmm. But in order to differentiate them, these ones are supposedly unique. Mm -hmm. So they're not swappable one for one. So
0: it's not just like money. It's not just like a. It's not money. It's
1: it's supposed to be more like yeah, like a unique thing, right? OK, so when Jemima's talking about the blockchain,
0: she's talking about the technology that is used to verify digital tokens. The whole idea about Bitcoin is that theoretically it can't be faked because it has its verification built right into it. If you have a five dollar bill and you're wondering if it's real, you need a bank to tell you. If you have five dollars worth of Bitcoin, the token's code tells you whether it's the Bitcoin that it claims to be. The reason Jemima's telling me about this is that this is the same technology that's used in NFTs. Only you don't use the blockchain verification
1: to prove that your money is real. You use it to prove that your art is real. It's basically a digital receipt. And it's meant to represent ownership of something, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily Mean that so you might think that you own something, but that's quite a kind of abs- again. Sorry, it's very, it's all very abstract. This yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, really, yeah, it's yeah, really well, hard okay. to like. You can't talk about it in a concrete way because it's not concrete. Right. But so say like, it's a piece of art. So somebody buys a piece. It's of- not a piece. Of, so okay. So okay. So it's not the art itself. Right. It's the receipt for the art.
0: Okay, stay with me. You want proof that a piece of art is yours. That's what the NFT is meant to do, and that's why Jemima says it's a receipt. And it's meant to do that, especially because digital art can be so easily replicated, and it's hard to tell where it originated. You have one board eight, you have a million, all across the internet.
1: So basically, digital art, the problem with digital art is that it can be replicated, it can be copied and pasted. And this has been a problem in the digital art world. People are like, how are we going to stop people from doing this? And then suddenly there was this like, oh, maybe we can do it with NFTs, like there's a way of making this even if the art itself can be copied, the ownership can't be. Right. So, so it's like,
0: sort of like, because it's not physical, you don't own Starry Night, for example. Like, because you don't own the physical version mm-hmm. of Starry Night. If there's a digital version of art, then that can be replicated. And anyone can pretend they own it, I guess, if they have an image of it. But if you have the receipt of it, it's, it's yours. Right. Right. But the interesting thing about NFT art is that it's kind of just gone off the deep end. Because people have stopped using it as a receipt for owning just digital images. They're using NFTs as receipts for all sorts of things. It can really be anything you decide you want to be an NFT. You
1: can literally NFT yourself. Right. You can, you can NFT a table. You can yeah. NFT anything. It right. doesn't. It, it just means that you create a string of code that you say represents something right. and it can be something digital it can be something physical
0: so if i make an nft out of myself mm-hmm. and then i sell myself mm-hmm. <laughs> or like a ver- the receipt to myself yeah in the market yeah and then somebody buys this digital receipt of me
1: Who is anybody to say that it is me, right? It's not me. Yeah, exactly right. So there's like that people think that there are these kind of legal rights that you're getting, but it's completely unregulated. So like the ownership is very unclear, like the kind of legal ownership, even of these artworks is it's like it's very unclear that regulation and laws have not caught up with all of this stuff.
0: It's such a wild west. It's a complete wild west. I met someone who was burning her art and then
1: selling the burning of the art as an nft as an nft i mean you can anything <laughs> is an nft that's the, that's but that's the kind of beauty of it in a way in, in the art world because it is the kind of perfect partner for for the art world because in some ways it is kind of art so like in order to make that receipt feel like it's a piece of art it's it kind of a bit of a leap that you have yeah, to make you know sure. like what is art and so instead of like <laughs> who who's to say that that's not art like right you know, yeah
0: okay so that's what nft's are or what they claim to be but how did we get here? Here's a very condensed timeline for you. At the start of 2021, very few people knew what NFTs were. But by March, they hit the mainstream. And then by the end of 2021, nearly $41 billion had been spent on NFTs. That made the digital art market almost as valuable as the global art market. And all of that in just a year and change. The explosion is kind of like crypto, and they're related. But the difference is NFTs appeal to a different sort of person too. They appeal
1: to people who are actually interested in art. Because they're kind of experimenting with and I get it like if you're if you're an artist and you're kind of cutting edge, of course you're going to be experimenting with like the new stuff like and you should. Right. Like that's part of your I think art has always been about that about like experiment, you know, pushing boundaries and experimenting with new technology and and so you should.
0: Then, in June of this year, the NFT market crashed. It dropped in value by 88%. That's mostly because the cryptocurrency market crashed, and people were often paying for NFTs in crypto. And also because inflation was going up, and people didn't want to gamble as much with the money they had. What was propping them up when it was big, when when they were at sort of their peak in 2021?
1: I honestly think that it was just the, like, making money. Just, like, making, people were just try, hoping they could just flip it to someone else. I don't think it was, I mean, clearly some people in the art world wanted to get involved from a kind of, the point of view of, like, buying a piece of art, right? But right. I think actually what was driving, you can see, because you, it just traces the same, the price of crypto. So, like, if if it wasn't kind of related right. to that, then it wouldn't just trace it. But it does, it just kind of, it was just, like, people who were buying crypto were also buying NFTs and like they were hoping mm-hmm. to flip it. It's like the greater fool theory. You're hoping that you're going to be able to sell it to a bigger fool than you.
0: To state the obvious, a lot of people lost a lot of money as the NFT market shrank. It wasn't great. And yet there is still something pretty compelling about NFTs for the art world. For a couple reasons. One, because it lets you make whatever you want and call it art. And two, because you can sell whatever you want as art. And make a lot of money. It feels very easy for this conversation to become very abstract very quickly. And I'm thinking like, you know, you suddenly are asking yourself these questions like, what is art and what is value and what is money and is uh, the economy real? <laughs> is currency yeah. real and whatever? <laughs> what um, real? Yeah, what is real? Am I real? <laughs> um, and it makes me wonder about how we define the value of art. Mm -hmm. at all in the art market like Mm. you know I mean I'm going on a major limb here but we decided culturally that Picasso was a genius for example we've talked about that with an author on the show before is he you know there were like so many women painters at that time that Mm -hmm. like uh, probably were also a genius but their work has no value because we didn't know them Mm -hmm. we've inherited assumptions about what's actually good so I don't know. Is there a chance that this is going to change how we think about the value of art? Like, is it just in mm. us asking these big questions is mm. that valuable? Yeah, itself? I think that
1: is actually really valuable. And I, I think that the whole of crypto, like, has been valuable. It's like a really, in, in interesting experiment that's been had. Like, um, it's opened this conversation about like. What is art? What is value? And I mean, we've had those kinds of, I mean, like, modern art has done that a lot, hasn't it? Like, what is art? And, then, you know, unmade beds or whatever. Right. This NFT discussion has been like, yeah, what is, well, it's also about, like, what does owning art mean? Mm-hmm. Because, like, why do people want to own art? Like, why do people pay for art? So if the number one reason is to be able to brag about it, then holding a receipt, a digital receipt for a JPEG, <laughs> is just as valuable as as owning a Picasso. But unfortunately, the other thing that hold, that owning a Picasso does it does is that it like probably holds its value. So like, right. maybe buying an NFT is just as is just as valuable as as buying a Picasso. But if you're someone who truly cares about art and the history and and you feel that maybe. The actual physical art has like a special magical kind of aura. Like I think people feel that when they go to museums. It's exciting to be with these kind of artifacts and to kind of imagine, you know, the paint strokes on the canvas. And you're not getting any of that with with an NFT, are you? You're Mm -hmm. just getting the bragging rights and also the kind of internal sense that you own something. And that does have some value. And that does have some value.
0: And then there's the other question of like, okay, if there's a market for something, like there's this crypto punk art, right? And people are buying it for millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. for some of them. Yeah. Tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Sorry, tens of millions yeah. of dollars. Many of them didn't take a long time, didn't take a lot of um actual craftsmanship or anything like that. So in that way, I guess it's it's not of value in that way artistically, but it's built Cultural value. And if mm-hmm. there's a market for it, it's developed cultural value. Like there must be a way in which, you know, now we know crypto punks. Now we know the people collage. That must give it some sort of value, no? Interesting.
1: I don't know. I
0: mean, it's like part of I'm this time. I'm not sure. I think,
1: I think, yeah, it is, it is part of this time. And so again, like, what do we mean by value? But like, it's definitely, yeah, like it, it says a lot. And I'm not sure it says anything like very great, Mm -hmm. but it does say some stuff about our culture and like this current time in history. But the other thing that we should point out is like prices have collapsed. Like we're saying people are paying millions. I mean, currently, they're not really.
0: Jemima says that from a financial perspective, the problem with NFTs is that there's no scarcity. The art market works because there's only so many Picassos in the world. But we can just keep making more NFTs if you had to make an argument for them or see a world where they would hold a role
1: mm-hmm. nfts yeah mm-hmm.
0: what would you say like what role could they hold
1: oh jesus that's hard it's almost impossible it's like so hard to to under, to, to see could you create scarcity for it and then that could help like i think n- no <laughs> like is there a world in which nfts could possibly do something I mean, they would have to just not be NFTs. Like, could someone create a way of making a digital thing truly scarce? Maybe. Yeah, like, I'm not a technologist. Right. But I don't think it, but then it wouldn't be an NFT.
0: It's worth saying that Jemima's just one person. She's a very, very well informed person, but she's also someone who hasn't bought into the crypto dream. But that doesn't mean it's definitely over. Because to give something value, all you really need is a lot of people to decide it has value. And right now, there are still a lot of people, including major investors who've lost tons of money on NFTs, who are still willing to invest more. So we're going to continue to watch this space. And in the meantime, I recommend Jemima's Tectonic series. It goes way beyond NFTs and into the minds of crypto lovers. I put the link in the show notes. That's the show this week. Thank you for listening to FT Weekend, the podcast from the Financial Times. Next week, we bring you to the FT Weekend Festival to a conversation I had live on stage with the iconic fiction and nonfiction writer Jamaica Kincaid and FT columnist Inuma Okoro. We also chat live and in person with a bunch of listeners and colleagues, and we'll bring you all of their cultural recommendations. If you like what we do, please do leave us a five-star review on the FT Weekend feed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a few words. That is still the best way to help people find the show. We love hearing from you, so please say hi anytime. You can email us at FTweekendpodcast at FT.com. I read all those emails. The show is on Twitter at FTweekendpod, and I am on Instagram and Twitter at Lila I post a lot of things that feed into the show on my Instagram. Links to everything mentioned today are in the show notes, alongside a link to the absolute best offers available on a subscription to the FT. Those offers are at ft.com slash weekend podcast. Make sure to use that link. I am Lila Raptopoulos and here's my incredible team. Katya Kimkova is our senior producer. Lulu Smith is our producer. Molly Nugent is our contributing producer. Our sound engineers are Breen Turner and Sam Javinko, with original music by Metaphor Music. Topher Forges is our executive producer and special thanks go, as always, to Cheryl Brumley. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll find each other again next week. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface.